Hello, everyone, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. I'm Stefan Kaishnik, Daily Journal's Mississippi State reporter, joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss reporter. And before we get going on talking all things football, make sure you follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform at djournal.com or at djournal.com slash podcast, and follow our coverage at djournal sports on Twitter, or in a Mississippi State discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick in their Facebook group, an Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz in the their Facebook group, the Ole Miss Facebook group. So a lot of djournal.com, there's kind of a mouthful to say sometimes there at the intro. I know you, you got a taste of it on uh, on Monday, host. So uh, how you how you doing, Michael? I'm good, man. Um, uh, for those who, who aren't watching this, I'm wearing all my Dodgers stuff because I have a feeling it's going to be the last time I get to wear it for the season because they've hurt me before. <laughs> They've hurt me out of the 32 years of my life. They haven't hurt me once. And so history says I'm going to be hurt tonight. They, uh, I think this podcast is probably published by the time the game is over, but I'm excited to see um, how, how that game goes. And if we'll have some more Dodgers here for you. The thing about my White Sox is when this publishes, I will be just preparing for the inevitable pain that's coming my way. So um, to the, to the Ole Miss listeners, I'm rooting for your guy, Lance Lynn. I need him in game one. For the Mississippi State listeners, I need you guys to root for Lance Lynn with me. White Sox need all the support that they can get um, as, they, as they embark on their first postseason in 13 years. So Michael and I will be, hopefully, hopefully for you, will be preoccupied with baseball all weekend along with the Ole Miss game that you'll be covering. But, um, man, the wild card game is set up for the favorite to lose. It's set up for the, for the big team to lose. thought on uh, Tuesday night with the Yankees losing to the Red Sox what was you know for a game that was six two it was kind of an interesting game just of you know all that all that went into it and of course everyone rooting against the Yankees and it's rare that you get people to root for the Red Sox that was a, a, an occasion where where we saw that so should be fun maybe maybe uh maybe we'll, we'll get some fun baseball this spring man it, it should be a good year for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State looking way too far ahead but that's what that's what the Mississippi State reporter has to do during the bye week I guess <laughs> do what you gotta do man do what you gotta do no, it's, it's good stuff, but going back to football, it should be a really fun weekend slate. Obviously, as I mentioned, Mississippi State has a week off. Ole Miss plays host to Arkansas, so that'll be a good game. We'll touch on that. That might be one of the games of the week. We'll, we'll circle back to that. We'll, follow, we'll start with SEC play. Uh, let's talk a little Georgia-Auburn. It's um, a game at Auburn. I think you said that you have Georgia by a billion, I think was your word, maybe a million. Maybe I'm overestimating there a little bit, but um, I'm with you, though. I'm with you, though. Yeah, it's I, – I want to believe in Bo Nix. I really do. I want to believe that this is a different Auburn team, um, that Brian Harson has this thing on the right track. And I know they're at home. That's a tough place to win. But nothing in my right mind tells me that Georgia isn't just going to go out there and, and just beat the pants off them because that's what Georgia has done to everybody. Like, Georgia is really, like – they are just Alabama like one B right now. Like they are, they are built the same way. Um, just absolutely dominant on the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I mean, they are, they are playing some incredible ball. Um, you know, and if it's going to, you know, it depends if JC Daniels plays or not. Um, but you know, they threw it like 11 times last week and won by 37. Like they, they don't need tremendous quarterback play in all their games. Um, you know, no disrespect to, you know, Stetson Bennett, but, uh, you know, JT Daniels definitely adds a little bit of a different element to that offense. 
Um, you know, I, Bo Nix, the craziest that I found that someone sent to me was that there are five FBS teams that have not thrown interception this year, and Auburn is one of them. Bo Nix has not thrown a pick yet. Like, that's – I can't believe that because that's what Bo Nix does. Like, Bo right. Nix has done the head-scratching thing for years, and now he's he's kind of, like, gotten it under control. and it seems like he's, you know, turned that corner, but – I just can't imagine a situation where they play well enough to really even come close to Georgia. I think Georgia is Georgia and Alabama, I think are just head and shoulders above everybody else. Right. I think if Auburn plays a perfect football game, they could still lose by two or more touchdowns. Like I think it's just, I think we're kind of at the point of the season where um, Georgia and Alabama are just really good. I think we, we knew that, but you say maybe, you know what, like, Maybe if you play perfect, you can beat them. I don't know, man. You could play perfect right now and still lose to those teams. Georgia, Georgia didn't look great in that game against Clemson. I mean, what was ten to three the final? I believe it was. It was an ugly game. That. Neither team looked really impressive, and now we know that maybe Clemson's not even as, as great as they've been the past few years. It, it 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 left some questions maybe about Georgia. Georgia's answered those questions. I mean, it's, they're a really good football team right now, and um, I, I think a lot of teams on the West are probably you know thinking. Um, Thank the Lord that they don't have to play against uh, Georgia. I mean, I know you have to play against Alabama, but it would suck if you had to play against both of them right now because that's um, at this point, those are two for sure losses for damn near every team in, in the nation. I mean, it's, it's a really good Georgia football team, and um, what they built over there is really impressive. I think, assuming that it's them and Alabama in the SEC title game, that might be, it's, that might be, first of all, first time we see them play this season, but maybe not the last time. Um, and it's just going to be like, got to be one of the best games of the season. I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, as, as a football fan, I know everyone roots every week for the big dogs to get upset. Um, no pun intended there with the Georgia Bulldogs, but everyone uh, wants the big teams to kind of get upset because it's fun and people stronger feel and whatnot. But it, it would be really cool if everything plays out so we can get Georgia versus Bama, um, hopefully maybe twice uh, at, at the end of this year. So that, that'll be really exciting. Another SEC game that's kind of interesting, uh, you know, talking about Auburn. They just beat LSU last week. Now LSU heads on the road and faces an undefeated Kentucky team. I mean, man, we, we keep talking about this Kentucky team, you know, maybe not being as great as we think it is. Um, they keep winning, man. And then they're up, I believe they're number 16 in the ranking right now, um, somewhere somewhere in that like 15 to 17 range. Um, LSU seems like Ed Orgeron's fighting for his job every day. I think losing to Harson and Auburn at home probably is not helping his case. Um, I think right now, uh, beating Mississippi State is probably saving his case. Um, what What are your thoughts on that game? Do Do you think are you ready to say Kentucky's legit yet? So it's funny. Like I was I was talking about this uh, like earlier today, and I was like, I have never been like more like cold takes exposed than I have with <laughs> Kentucky because just every week they just throw it in my face. Um, right. They're really good, um, you know, and you know Florida. Florida has a funny way of kind of like kicking themselves and, and just kind of doing the dumb thing. Um, but Kentucky earned this one and in game, or it was, it was in Lexington, like first time since 1986 or something. If it happened before I was born, it's, it's a long time. That's <laughs> usually, that's like my scale. Um, you know, they're, I think they're legit and you just have to wonder where LSU is like mentally. You know, it just came out that Derek Stingley Jr. is out for the year. He's their best defensive player. He's a, a top five, top ten pick. Um, you know, there's the message boards are going crazy 
about Ed Orgeron. And you have to wonder if all that talk is the message board going crazy. Who could have ever imagined such a thing? I know there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories currently. Um, Some of them involving uh, the coach with uh, uh, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, at, at the moment, but we'll we'll see if he's still the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In this is a PG now. podcast. I don't know if we can talk about <laughs> Urban Meyer right now. No, no, we're not. But uh, <laughs> he's been mentioned in a lot of college football coaching searches already. First vacancies that haven't even opened yet. Um, right. And so some that have. Some of that, well, yeah. Looking at <laughs> well, looking at the diploma that used to be behind you. Yeah, it, it would be a very USC move to still hire him, but we can <laughs> cross that bridge if and when the time comes. But. Um, you know, I, I just have to wonder where LSU is mentally and, and like, what's, what's in it for them, uh, you know, other than, you know, if they, if they, I, I think they really like Ed Orgeron, that's always been the impression I've gotten from his players. Um, but like, other than, you know, like playing for him, like what's, there's not a whole lot like left in front of them, you know, and, and right. you, you, you gotta wonder like, where, where are they going to be at as, as this thing unfolds? And, you know, if, if they do lose to Kentucky, you have to think that's it, which is just crazy to think about because they won the national championship two years ago. You know, it's, right. it's got big, like, Gene Chizik at Auburn during the Cam Newton. Like, it has that energy where, like, everybody just totally forgets, like, they were really good two years ago, and then they have kind of a bad year, and everybody just loses it and needs – blood like it's it's just right. crazy how, how how that has turned yeah it, it is really outstanding especially when you consider i mean not only did they win a national title two years ago but i think a lot of people myself included would maybe make the case that that's probably the best college football team of all time like for a single season that lsu team led by joe burrow was was really freaking good um it is it's so hard to imagine that orgeron could be uh, without a job at the end of the season or during the season it's, it's really hard to imagine um i like ed orgeron i thought you know their, their title run along with his, you know, go Tigers stuff. And I, I think that was just, and, and their social media team did an outstanding job. That was a really likable team for a lot of people, like, you know, not affiliated with, with anything going on that year, which is where I was. Um, it, it was, it was really cool to watch. It was an exciting team. So it's, it's really hard to believe. I mean, it's only been two years. You wonder how much like for them more than anyone, considering the, the changes they had from their national title to the next season were tough in itself. And that's happening during the pandemic. You know, the, the start of the pandemic is when all this was going on. It, you, you almost feel Fred in that sense of like, he went through probably one of the hardest one, you know, A to B transitions in a season um, that a coach can have. And you throw in, hey, you know, you're not going to have any spring or summer, really. Um, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. And, and it kind of, I mean, it, it adds up and that's the reality of the business. And um, now let's use the athletic department as a whole is just, you know, it is, it is what it is, and then yeah, definitely that adds on top. We have a lot of going on, right? Right. That's that's kind of what surprised me. Like, is this really another thing that you need on top of it? But you know, the the wins and losses kind of add that for them. I mean, the fan fan reactions kind of add that for them. It's it's kind of amazing to see, um, you know, how quick a team can fall like that. But I think what, what Mark Stoops does is Kentucky at Kentucky is great. On the SEC coaches teleconference every Wednesday, he's right before Mike Leach, so I usually get to hear. Uh, most of what he's saying and and i mean he just it seems like he always knows the right thing to say um you know people i mean people might forget he's the longest tenured coach in the sec aside from Mick Saban. like you know when you're around for a while a you're probably at a school like kentucky but b um you're probably doing a pretty good job and and he has for the most part their, their program has been up at a down year last year but it, it's it's a good program and um and I, i'm excited to watch them play at mississippi state later this year uh transitioning over to the team i just 
uh, covered last weekend against Mississippi State. Texas A&M hosting Alabama. Uh, we'll make this one quick. Does Texas A&M have a chance? I was going to ask you: Is Texas A&M dead? Like, you know, do, they, that, just, do we need to poke them with a stick and see if they're breathing? They had. They got the rally bird, and then the rally bird ended up helping the, the visiting team. I mean, it's a, the rally bird. You know, the rally animal usually helps someone. It didn't even help Texas A&M. It's it's a very boring <laughs> offense to watch. It is. So it, it that's is. just kind of, I don't know. When a team is just kind of boring sometimes, it's hard to support them, you know, as I feel like as a fan when they're like, you know, two and two, three and two. Um, I feel that with the Bears all the time. I mean, they're two and two right now. The team is very much alive, <laughs> but they're so boring to watch that you're just like, I don't want to watch that. Like, you know, even the wins are boring. So do, do, do they have a chance? Do you think they have a chance? Um, You know, no, no, they <laughs> I'm not even going to like beat around the bush here. They have no shot. No. Yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, Bama and Georgia, uh, a little bit above the rest. Uh, let's transition outside the SEC real quick, um, but we'll stay in the state of Texas. Oklahoma visits Texas. I think you picked Texas. I picked Oklahoma. Uh, give me a reason. Um, I have just not been impressed with Oklahoma this year. Um, you know, there was a lot of Heisman buzz around Spencer Rattler and he looks a lot like the guy we saw early last year who like got benched at one point. I think people kind of forget, like that was a thing that happened. He got benched. And then after he got benched, he was really good the rest of the year, but he's just kind of been inconsistent. And he just hasn't really looked like a guy who's taken the steps. I think everybody thought he would after, uh, you know, what ended up being a pretty good all around freshman season. And, um, you know, I, I have my, my, my Steve Sarkeesian takes as a USC grad, but, uh, he knows how to coach offense, and um, you know they've they've had some clunkers and they've had some really good ones. And you know that game is just always really good. It doesn't matter how good either team is. It's oh, it's you know it could be a, a winless Texas team or a winless Oklahoma team, and still going to be close somehow because it's just weird like that. Um, I, I think it's more of me not trusting Oklahoma than it is like believing that Texas is back. Um, but I do think Texas has found something with their quarterback and they run the ball really, really well. But Bajon Robinson is just a freak. I think he might be the best yeah. running back in the country. Um, I, I just, I just, I, th- I think they're going to get it done. And that I, I, I don't like picking Texas for anything. Um, <laughs> again, I've been hurt before. They hurt me in 2006. I don't forget things. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see it happening. Um, you know, I mentioned that being a non-SEC game, I guess. I should be, you know, put an asterisk next to that one. Forward a couple of years. Depends on depends on what you what you want to call it. You know, I'm with you on that. I picked Oklahoma, um, but I could be very easily convinced that the Texas could win that game. It's kind of funny to think about that. At the end of the week, uh, Texas could be ranked above Arkansas, and I think after that Texas Arkansas game, we saw two programs we thought were going in opposite directions, and it turns out they just made a U-turn and they're going to go right back again. So. Uh, that, that, that'll be a fun game, though. I think it'll be a fun game. I expect it to be pretty high scoring. Um, we'll, we'll stay actually outside the SEC this time. Uh, talking Big Ten, that's that's my land. Penn State, Iowa. Um, I picked Iowa. I can't remember. Who did you pick in that game? I think I picked Iowa. I think I think the home field in this game is huge because those are two, like, whether you're playing at Penn State or playing at Iowa, those are two really tough um, road environments and, and give the home team a, a strong advantage. Um, you know, Iowa just, like they just look good. Like they're, they're doing all the right things. They're playing Iowa football. Like they're really tough. Um, but they're also not, not afraid to, to score a lot of points. You know, they're not afraid to get in a shootout with you. And I think they can do that. And I just, you know, I, I think Penn State looks really good. And it's a shame that, um, 
I, th- I think Penn State and Iowa are both good. And I think if it came down to like a one-loss Georgia team and a one-loss Penn State team, you know, getting that last spot in the playoff, it's probably going to Georgia, which kind of sucks just because I think, you know, Penn State could have a really good season and your one-loss be at Iowa. And, you know, you, you get how I mean, that's how the playoff goes. It's why some people want to expand it. That's why some people like it being as uh, only four teams. But I, I think the home team in this game would win. That's why I picked Iowa. I give them the advantage. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it'll be a really fun game. I actually think that this will be end up being – uh, the game of the weekend. I, I think it's going to be really fun. I, I just, I, I like the way both teams play. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still not 100% bought in on Sean Clifford and him playing in that tough road environment against a really good Iowa team and a really good Iowa defense. Um, I just ended up going with Iowa there. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird to think about Iowa, like winning a shootout because like, right. <laughs> you know, I watched Nathan Stanley for like four years, man. Like, you, you right. know, like this is, this is, Yes, this is that Iowa team that plays really good defense, but they've finally got some semblance of an exciting offense. And, right. um, you know, I think they're really good. Like you said, home field, I think, is a big deal for this. Um, and also, like, Penn State loses one game a year. Right. That kind of is like, really? Like, you know, like, they could win out, and this will be the game to lose. And, like, I don't think anybody would blame them. But Penn State tends to throw up a clunker in there. Right. And, you know, there wouldn't be any shame in throwing up a clunker to Iowa, but this feels like it could be the clunker game just because, uh, <laughs> I mean, it Iowa's happens. really good. Yeah, it happens. And, right. you know, like Sean Clifford, you just keep worrying that he's going to turn into the 2020 guy who was really bad. Um, you know, I think James Franklin has done a great job, future USC head coach James Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, he, he does a great job there, but, um, you know, they have had those inconsistent moments and, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if it happened to rear its head against, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Again, no, no, no shame there in, in, in playing badly to them, but, um, you know, it just kind of feels like, you know, the, 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 this could be a tough one. Are you prepared for uh, USC coach James Franklin to bring his uh, number one recruiting class in the nation with him via the transfer portal uh, in a year or two? Um, I've talked myself into USC head coach Ed Orgeron. (laughs) Finally, it'll finally happen. Just eight years too late. Man, well, the USC job is certainly a a podcast in itself. Um, Before we hit on on the Ole Miss game, and then we'll talk a little bit about Mississippi State's bye week, um, just a, a few teams that I wanted to mention, BYU, Coastal Carolina, and Cincinnati. I mean, they, didn't, they haven't really dropped off from last year. Like, they, they, I think a lot of people doubt, you know, the, the G5 teams and the teams that aren't, you know, the traditional powerhouses. Um, I mean, you look at that Iowa-Penn State game that we just talked about, the loser of that game probably gets bumped out, and Cincinnati's a legitimate playoff team. Like, they're, they're good, and they're legit, and they're, like, they're not just um, – good Cincinnati team they're a good football team like they're, they're genuinely good they they just beat Notre Dame I know people have their doubts about Indiana but they went into Indiana and they, they got a win there like they, they've beaten good teams this year um they, they've gone ahead and, and done what people doubted them they went out and they built themselves a tough non-conference schedule and they've proven everybody wrong and and I think that they have a real chance um with how this Penn State Iowa game goes to to be in a position where if you went out the rest of the way Cincinnati's probably a playoff team right you got Bama, Bama and Georgia. Assuming that Georgia's only lost to Alabama, I think Georgia gets in. Um, now, let's say one of those Penn State or Iowa teams wins out. The, the three or four spots probably looking at Cincinnati right now. 
Yeah, and you know, I, I, I'm I'm not surprised that Cincinnati carried over from last year just because right. Luke Fickle has a plan, and also when you have a quarterback, uh, it means the world. And Desmond Ritter just keeps getting better. Um, and again, another guy who feels like he's been there for 15 years. Um, I think this might be his last year. I don't know. Um, but does yeah, anybody no, ever have a last year after COVID? Uh, that's that's a good point. Everybody has a graduate transfer year, I think. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean they are they are legitimately good. They're, like you said, like they're not just a good group of five team. They're just a really good college football team. Um, right. I. I you know, I, I learned a lot about them against Georgia last year because I thought they were going to kind of get crushed, crushed by Georgia in the whichever bowl game it was. Um, peach, and maybe, the, yeah, I think it was the Peach. And that was a game that Cincinnati very easily could have won. You know, they lost right. on a last second situation. That's where I kind of started to my perception of them changed a little bit. And it's just gotten uh, better and better this year. Again, they, they took down Notre Dame. Um, um, you know, that, that Notre Dame doesn't lose at home very often. Right. right. Um, you know, and so they're, they're a legit team. I think the team that I'm most surprised with that is still good is BYU. And I say that as someone who used to live in Mountain West country, because the whole conversation last year was they had Zach Wilson, who was, you know, all everything. And then right. they had to like cobble together this schedule of like, not very good teams. Like basically everybody they were going to play was taken off their schedule because they all had to do conference only games. And so they kind of had like this hodgepodge schedule of like not really good teams and they, they beat them up, but everyone was like, well, what's going to happen when they get back to the real schedule? And here, the, here we are, Zach Wilson's gone and they're still beating everybody. So right. Kalani Sataki has done it. I've been really impressed with the job he's done. Um, so future USC head coach, Klein Sataki, um, James Franklin and Luke Fickle. I know. And Ed Orgeron, we've mentioned like, three, Orgeron, four, they, they three or four legitimate, go, uh, go USC coaches. coaches. I mean, if wrong? you toss them all, all on the staff, it's a pretty good staff of a, a coaches and assistants. So, uh, I, I think I someone guess. would die. <laughs> probably, probably you at the end of the day. I would not have a heart attack. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll transition over to the, to the teams we cover. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Penn State-Iowa being, in my opinion, the game of the weekend or, or could turn out to be that. Um, Ole Miss-Arkansas is maybe the intriguing game of the weekend because the loser of this game has a good chance of kind of starting to see things fire a little bit. I don't, I don't think the loser of this game, their season is over, per se. I mean, I mean, they're both, you know, top 20 teams right now. You know, you would hope that one loss in week, what is it, week six, wouldn't um, – you know, what, what do you, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, but, but you would hope that, that your season is fired out of control with one loss, but it kind of feels like, especially in the way the standings go and, you know, which bowl you're going to get and all that stuff that this could be a pretty important game uh, for Ole Miss. What, what have you seen? I know you have a big piece coming out on, on Matt Corral Thursday, I believe it is, um, which should be when this podcast comes out. So if you want to talk a little bit about that and give some insight to me before it's published and to our readers tomorrow after they're, they're done reading it, um, on, on this podcast. Tell us a little bit about that piece and, and, and then we can transition to what this game means for Ole Miss. So Matt, Matt Corral is a really interesting story because I'm not sure how much you know about his background, but he's a California kid. So like I, I remember Matt Corral as a recruit and there was always the conversation of he's uncoachable and he's got a lot of baggage. And that was partly because 
before his senior season, he switched high schools. Um, he went from a Catholic powerhouse to Long Beach Poly High School, which is another very good program. And there were rumors that he got in a, he had gotten in a fight with with uh, another kid at the school. And Matt Corral's always kind of had like this this perception problem that people thought he was a punk, and it didn't help when he tried to fight the Mississippi State defense in 2018, like single-handedly, right? Like, you know, uh, and I I think AJ Brown threw the punch, but Matt Corral was like right out there to get in people's faces. And it it was more of like, well, there goes Matt Corral again. Um, But in just sort of talking to, uh, you know, his, his mom and and his high school coach at the place where he had to leave, it's really kind of a story that, that Matt Corral really isn't, the person that he's been perceived to be like his whole life people have tried to put matt corral inside a box like you know if you're if you're a star quarterback you're supposed to be clean cut you're supposed to be quiet you you know you're supposed to be all of these things and like matt corral he's got a tattoo sleeve he's loud he's he's his own character and that has kind of always been held against him and um it's just kind of a story exploring that him being outside of that box is what makes him so good because um, he's not going to stand down from what he, what he believes in. And um, he, he's willing to take a stand, even if he's the only one, you know, on that Island. And um, he's, he's, he's just wired differently. And I, th- I think it's, it's always cool to sort of, you know, get that behind the curtain, look at a guy who, is a superstar. And then you find out that they've gone through some stuff and like they've, they've been in bad places and they made it out on the other side. And, and, you know, Matt Corral is no exception. He's beat, he had a really rough couple of years, um, you know, really between his junior of high school and, and his first couple of years here um, were, 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 you know, pretty tough. And um, it's, it's a story of, you know, just sort of um, how the best Matt Corral as his high school coach told me, his, his last name is really ironic because why would you want to corral that kid? You got to <laughs> let him just be free. Let Matt be Matt. And it's a story on how like that is what makes him so good. No, I'm excited to, to read that. It's one of the, the biggest names in college football right now. And, um, you know, people will say stuff about that Alabama performance, but I think he's got, still got a legitimate chance uh, at, at the Heisman Award. And, and like you said, it's always cool. Um, you know, the guy that's on your ESPN commercials and it's flooding your social media feed and his face is all over the place to kind of get an idea of, of what he's like kind of behind the scenes and talk to the people that help raise. So I, I think that's outstanding that, that you got that. Um, and, I, and I think it's great for us uh, that, that we have that story. I think a lot of people are, are going to be interested in reading that um, as they should. As, as for the game, I mean, how, how do you see it panning out? How important is this game for, uh, for Ole Miss after the popcorn gate game at Alabama? <laughs> Uh, if, if there's not popcorn in the press box this week, I'm going to be really upset. There won't be. I know there won't be. Still popcorn? Good popcorn or still popcorn? I'll take either <laughs> one, honestly. But, um, you know, as, as, as our friend Nick Suss called this, this is the bounce back bowl. Like, this is like two teams that were riding really high that just had a huge reality check against almost the same team. Like, it's really weird. They basically played the same game, um, both, you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas uh, against, you know, Georgia and, and, and Alabama. And, you know, like, like you said, this isn't, this isn't a season to, you know, this doesn't 
you know, it's not like they're going to go winless after this if they lose this game. But, you know, this is an Ole Miss program that has really felt like it's on the right track and like they have the right pieces and that what they're doing, they're doing things the right way. And like, you know, this is something to be excited about. And if you lose this kind of game, I feel like people kind of start to lose faith in that. Like, right. well, you know, they've, they've been running this, you know, three, two, five defense or three, two, six defense. Um, you know, if it, if it doesn't work this week, people are going to start questioning why they're doing that. It's like all those things that were working so well the first three weeks, it doesn't matter that it worked then. It just matters that it's not working now. And right. people are going to question, you know, how, you know, Matt, Matt Corral is not the reason they lost to Alabama. Matt Corral did the best he could. He just didn't really have much of a chance. Um, you know, he's, he, he, he did not have a lot of time to throw. And, um, you know, I, I think any quarterback would struggle against, you know, the, the vaunted Alabama front, but, um, you know, these are just you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas are like almost the same team in terms of like where they are. Cause Sam Pittman's been selling that this, that their program is headed in the right direction too. And, you know, they sell it in different ways. Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman are very different people. But I think that they're both kind of trying to show the same product. And I think a game like this, the loser, I don't know if, if the team itself second guesses it, but I think people who are invested in the program maybe start to second guess it. And, you know, right. when you start to lose the perception battle, I think that's, that's, that's a bit of a problem. No, it is. It is very important. And, um, you know, interesting, we talked about Ole Miss and Arkansas kind of transitioned into uh, a piece I did this week on MSU's bye week, kind of breaking down the schedule uh, of the rest of the way outside the bye week. Obviously, everyone knows that Mississippi State comes out of the bye and plays host to Alabama. That's a, that's a game. And, you know, you're, you're happy that you have the bye week, I guess, to prepare for Alabama. You wouldn't mind some extra time, but they're, uh, they're, they're Alabama's legit. And then Mississippi State's chances are going to be tough. Um, but the rest of the way, you know, I mentioned pro football focus. Uh, gives Mississippi State an 82% chance to make a bowl game, right? And you look at the rest of their schedule, they have about 100% chance to beat Vanderbilt and about 100% chance to beat Tennessee State. So that puts you at five wins, and they have about as close to 100% chance to lose in Alabama. So in theory, you got five wins, and you got three losses under your belt. That leaves the rest of the games for you to decide whether you're going to be a bowl team or not. You host Kentucky, not particularly in this order, because, of course, I don't know any dates. I can't remember anything else about my head. It doesn't matter um, anymore. <laughs> it's all the same. Time is just social construct. We can get into that a whole nother, maybe four podcasts. Um, but you play host to Kentucky. Um, you're at Arkansas. You're at Auburn. You play host to Ole Miss. I mean, those are the four games where you look at it, and um, those are toss-ups. And maybe at some point in the year, I mean, the Egg Bowl always looks like a toss-up, regardless of how good Ole Miss is going to be or not. The Egg Bowl is the Egg Bowl. Um, Arkansas at Arkansas maybe looked like a game you had no chance in. Now you look at Mississippi State, you're like, you know what? Ole Miss and Arkansas are not the Bama and Georgia. They're kind of in that middle group. Um, Kentucky at Mississippi State, you're probably very thankful that that game is in Starkville, not in Lexington. I think that makes a huge difference there. And then at Auburn, I mean, we don't even know what Auburn is this year. Nobody knows what Auburn is. Kind of in the same way that I think people have trouble figuring out what Mississippi State is. Uh, People can't really figure out what Auburn is. So pro football focus likes Mississippi State chances of winning one of those games. Gives them an 82% chance to, to make a bowl game. So the chances of winning one of those games is good. You win two or more, you're looking at, now you're looking at, you know, which bowl game are we going to get, not just getting a bowl game. And I think it just comes down to, we saw last week with Ole Miss, with Arkansas. I mean, these teams that appear to be, you know, on the up and up, get knocked down a little bit. And, and I think that's just how the whole season is going to play out. I mean, after 
Mississippi State lost LSU, people started thinking, you know, here goes Mississippi State's tw- trend toward the bottom of the SEC West. Well, then they go beat, you know, Texas A&M. It's just how crazy the SEC is. And I think at the end of the day, kind of, it, it's a testament to what Mike Leach and all his coaches and all his players always talk about is that at the end of the day, you can watch as much film as you want on the other team. You can prepare as much as you want on the other team. What matters most is what you do in-house. And what mattered most for, for Mississippi State against Texas A&M was getting that confidence up, executing in the red zone, and not, not allowing uh, explosive plays on defense. They did all those things. It doesn't matter who's on the other side. It doesn't matter if you're at number 15, Texas A&M. Like, it, it doesn't matter where you play if you focus on yourself and what you're doing. That needs to be Mississippi State's focus, not just in the bye week, because you can be great in the bye week. You can be great in practice. You can have a great game against Alabama and still lose. But keeping that confidence from that Texas A&M game and keeping that momentum that you had through the week, through whatever happens at Alabama, into those toss-up games is what, what makes or breaks your season. And, and this is where when you get past uh, the Alabama game and the Vanderbilt game, I know those two go in that order. Once you pass those two games, you, you get in that stretch of November where aside from Tennessee State, the game right before the Egg Bowl from Mississippi State, that's where your season's made, made, make, it, make or break it. I don't know. I don't even know if I said that right. You get what I'm trying to say. That's where the season is determined. And, and it, it just comes down to Mississippi State worrying about itself, worrying about Will Rogers, making sure the confidence he had against Texas A&M is there against Alabama, Vandy, and beyond. It's about making sure your receivers are not thinking about their routes rather than just running them against those, those toss-up games. If all that happens, Mississippi State's got a good chance, not just at six wins, but at seven or eight, because I think teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss are beatable. But like, like I, when I say that, Mississippi State is also beatable when it doesn't play at its best. So that's, that's kind of what this bye week is for Mississippi State. It comes, you know, right at the, the midway point of the season, um, which Mike Leach said earlier on the teleconference is, you know, the ideal place. That makes sense. You know, you kind of just have a, a halftime break, I guess you could call it, in, in your season. It, it's kind of just perfect timing. Um, and I think it sets up for a really exciting final seven games of the season. And I think, I think for both teams, the, the way the season plays out now, that, that Egg Bowl could end up being a pretty damn important game. Uh, for both those teams, not just in terms of, um, I know sometimes the Egg Bowl has determined like which team makes a bowl and which team gets stuck at five, five wins. Um, you know, there's a good chance that both teams have those six wins to that point, but you know, you're determining not just which bowl game you get, but also a sense of pride. And, and I think it's really stacking up um, to be that, that prime time Egg Bowl game that a lot of people want to see. Yeah. I mean, if we're lucky, someone will pretend to urinate on the field or <laughs> get a fight, you know, it's, it's all the good stuff. I, my question for you though, is I, I know before um, Ole Miss, you know, they had a bye week before they played Alabama too. And they were kind of upset that they had a bye week because they had been playing really well. Do you kind of get the sense that Mississippi state kind of wanted to keep it going like after that big win, or do you think that yeah. they really needed the break? You know, I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking that they really needed that bye week after LSU, and they don't need the bye week after that Texas A&M game. But at, at the same time, the way Mike Leach made it seem like is, you know, the bye week is, is never really too much about, you know, momentum or, or this or that. It's about, you know, getting getting healthy, um, figuring out yourself, getting some more practice time. I don't think it makes a huge difference against a team like Alabama. I know people always talk about teams getting a bye before Alabama. I don't think that's what the bye is for. I don't think um, it matters either these days. <laughs> no, no. But I, I think the I think the answer is yes and no. Like you want to carry that momentum, uh, you know, into into a big game and into the rest of the season. Like you, you want to build that momentum that you build that you get in a big win, like that win at Texas A and M. But I think I think having the chance to kind of sit and dwell on that game and, and really break down what you did well and talk to your players and, and Leach just talked so much about this year, like 
the way they try to build up confidence is they say, hey, you know, look, look at, you know, what you did, like, right. And look at what you did last year. And look at how much better you've gotten. Like, you're a good football player. Like, you've made this progress. You're not the guy that you were your freshman year or whatever grade you were last year. You're, you're not that player anymore. And I think they really have a chance after a good game to kind of break that down and talk to some of their players and be like, hey, look what you did against, you know, a really good Texas A&M defense. You couldn't do that last year when you were scoring two points. Um, from a safety uh, against Kentucky like that, that's the kind of stuff where I think you do have a, a little more time to break it down with the bye week I think I think every coach differs Lee just kind of it seems like he's just happy that it's at the midway point that's that's kind of where he said he likes bye weeks being so I, I don't think Mississippi State is too worried about you know what happened the week before the bye week um, I think it varies on the coach and I think in Mississippi State situation what they need to focus on um, doesn't matter too much about you know who they beat or who they lost to the week before it's about just having that time off. I think, I think a lot of coaches would probably agree with that. Um, and in a Mississippi State situation where kicker Brandon Ruiz is, is you know, out right now and um, clearly they need him back and they want him back. And, you know, he's, he's taking warm-up kicks during games, which is good, but he's not kicking them beyond 40 yards, which is not good. So it kind of makes you think like, okay, like he's probably close. You know, maybe he's around that game time decision, maybe a, a week off is good for him and a special teams unit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's my take on it. I'd be really interested to see, you know, what other coaches in that situation would say. I think I think it really varies. Um, but I think for Mississippi State right now, they're, they're probably just happy to have the week off. I bet you're happy to have the week off, too. You're way, I am. <laughs> I was going to say, man, other than watching the White Sox, any fun plans? Uh, nothing, nothing too exciting. Are you, are you going to any games? No, I'm not. Unfortunately, if they had gotten the two seed, they would be playing at home. Um, Thursday, Friday, but they don't play at home until Sunday. And I, I just, they play a night game Sunday. If it was a day game Sunday, maybe the night game Sunday, it's not working out. I'm hoping that at some point they make it a little bit further in the playoffs. I, I could I could catch a game. Um, but no, I'm back home right now, um, you know, Northwest Indiana in the Chicago area. I'm visiting my family. Uh, I'm going to head down south tomorrow, Thursday. Um, you'll visit some of my friends in Bloomington. And then uh, over the weekend, finish my trek down south back towards Mississippi. So, um, nothing, nothing too exciting, but, um, I enjoy having a little bit of a week off. I enjoy talking, talking to you on my week off. It's what, it's exactly what I wanted to do. So I hope, I, mean, I hope, what, you know, what else could you ask for? There's, there's nothing else I can ask for. And I get to talk to a Dodgers game. Um, you know, I, I'm, am I going to be the last person you talk to before the chaos ensues tonight? I thought you were going to say, are you going to be the last, am I going to, are you going to be the last person you talk to while you're still alive? I was like, it's not going to be that bad, man. <laughs> Come on. I've heard me well, before. This is nothing new. Pain is an old friend. On that, on that morbid note, I think it's time we close this thing out. <laughs> I appreciate uh, everyone listening uh, to justify your existence. As I mentioned earlier, uh, make sure you catch us on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as djournal.com slash podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SKYSHNIC3. Michael, I always forget your Twitter handle. At Michael L. Katz. And make sure to join our, our Facebook groups, Mississippi State Discussion with Stephan Kreisnick, or no, with Parrish Alford and Stephan Kreisnick. Parrish's name goes first. And Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. We appreciate you guys listening along to Justify Existence, and we look forward to talking to you next week.